So yeah, today we're going to talk about um, Mark 4 in a parable that might be really uh, familiar to you, the parable of the sower and the seed. You may have learned that one as a little kid. You may have gone to Sunday school and they had a flannel graph and it was about the sower and the seed. I'm hoping to go a little bit more in depth than maybe you, you heard this story in Sunday school, if you went to Sunday school. Um, but I want to start with this question. Have you ever been resistant to something that was good for you? All of us have. All of us have. Uh, I don't like going to the doctor, even though I know it's good for me. I, I, I will wait until I have to before I go. Um, I don't like cleaning gutters. And so I waited this whole year, and yesterday I finally cleaned my gutters. And you know what? They were nasty. Uh, but I did it, you know. I waited all winter and fall to do it, but I finally did it. Um, I'm resistant to healthy eating, and that's why God gave me a wife uh, who helps me eat better. And, uh, you know, we've had you know, the, the, the best stretch of healthy eating I had was when we made a New Year's resolution at the beginning of 2020. We're like, we're going to eat better. We're going to do this thing called intermittent fasting. It's going to be great. Uh, we're going we're gonna to cut sugar, gluten, and, uh, and, and milk. And I was on fire. But guys, it was the wrong year. It was 2020. <laughs> and so inevitably, you know, by March, I started to see some cracks in my dieting. And then by April, the world was ending. So I was, I was done. So, uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, I am resistant to things that are good for me. And I know you are too. And as we look at the Gospel of Mark today, Jesus is going to tell us a story about the sower and the seed and four different soils that the seed lands in. And when Jesus talks about the seed, he's talking about the good news of the Gospel. He's talking about the knowledge of God through Jesus Christ, the connection to God that we have through Jesus Christ. And what we see here is that some of the soil is very receptive to that. And, and the seed takes and it grows and it's fruitful. But a lot of the soil is not. A lot of the soil is resistant to the good news of Jesus and for that to actually take root in our lives. In fact, many of the seeds meet such harsh resistance that they wither and die. And so this is a message for everybody, no matter who, who you are, whether you've been in church forever or this is your first time, this is a message for all of us because we need to ask ourselves at a fundamental level, are we resisting Jesus or are we receiving him? Are we resisting Jesus or are we receiving him? And so based on today, we need to know what is the condition of the soil in our hearts? What is the condition of the soil in our hearts? Are our hearts hard to Jesus? Because if that's the case, no spiritual fruit is going to come out of our lives. It talks about being overwhelmed or being shallow. Are, is, are our hearts ready to receive what Jesus has for us? And so this is a short story that Jesus told called a parable, which simply means that it's a comparison. A parable at its most basic form is a comparison. And we see that, that human hearts, uh, we, and in this comparison or story, we see that our human hearts are capable of putting up a lot of resistance to God. And so today, what I titled this message is it's about the gospel and the stuff that gets in the way. So we're going to talk about the gospel, and then we're going to talk about the stuff that gets in the way of the gospel. Because here Jesus makes it abundantly clear that there are 
there are good reasons that our hearts don't receive or aren't receptive to his word. And we all, at times in our lives, put up a fight against Jesus, because that's who we are. We're human. We're fighters, you know? We want our own way. That's part of being human. We want our way, not God's way. We actually need God's help to help walk in his way. And if you ever have been in a time in your life where you feel like God is nagging you all the time, that probably means there's some resistance in your heart to Jesus. If, or, if, or if you can't stop thinking about something other than Jesus, if it's work or if it's politics or if it's a relationship that you have, that is resistance to Jesus. So before we get ahead of ourselves, let's stop and let's talk about the gospel and what Jesus says. And, and I'm going to read this whole passage. So uh, this 20 verses, okay? This is your warning, 20 verses. Uh, if you have your Bibles, it's Mark 4, 1 through 20. If it helps you to close your eyes, then do that. Uh, if you want to read along, do that. But let's, let's take in this story. It says this in verse 1. And he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was teaching beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in, the, in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Let's, uh, let's just pause there and pray. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for every part of it. And Lord, I pray that as we just internalize this message this morning, that you just speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's go to the beginning of the story. So Jesus is teaching now from the seashore. Uh, 
This is a change of venue for Jesus. Before this, he was teaching in a synagogue. He would go to the synagogue on the days when, when the rabbis would get up to, to preach and he would speak. And now this, and when, as he turns towards story and parable, he actually goes to the beach to preach, which sounds pretty good. You know, Jesus goes to the beach. He, he kicks off of shore. He's standing on a boat because they don't have microphones and, and sound systems, right? So he's speaking on the shoreline to capture kind of the, as you, as you speak, your, your words kind of amplify off the water. And so that's what Jesus does. And it's, it's pretty interesting that he's switching from speaking to, um, speaking to a, a, a crowd in a synagogue versus speaking to a crowd on the seashore. There's a big difference there. So if you were going to synagogue, that's what you did. It was a routine thing. You just showed up at synagogue every week. You heard whatever the rabbi was saying, and you went home. It was just part of your rhythm. So that was, that was sort of more of a religious environment that Jesus was speaking to. But when he goes to the seashore, a crowd forms. Now, if you're going to go listen to Jesus speak at the seashore, you actually have to want to be there. You actually have to have enough desire in your heart to, to go to wherever he's going and sit there and, and receive the word that, that he has for you. And, and so there's this change of Jesus is no longer just teaching to, uh, you know, to, to people who it's part of their routine. He's saying, if you want to listen to me, you have to come where I am. You have to actually want to listen. It's this kind of check that Jesus is doing. And a lot of people go, and some of the people go because they really want to know what Jesus has to say. They really want to internalize his teaching. But of course, many people are there because Jesus can heal. Jesus can give us a free meal if he wants to. Or maybe they're just excited to see, hey, we, we've never had a guy like this with this kind of spectacle ever. Uh, you know, let's just, let's just go see what's going on. You know, if, if someone was gathering a massive crowd in Blaine, um, you know, we'd probably wonder what was going on, right? We'd want to go check it out. So he moves his, his venue to the seashore, and I think it says some things about Jesus. Jesus never forces anyone to listen to him, right? If, if you're going to listen to Jesus, you have to be drawn to him to actually want to receive what he says. You have to be hungry enough to, to make that effort, Right to to like man what if what what does Jesus have to say to me? Because there's also and what this parable gets at there's also people who are very comfortable and perfectly fine without Jesus in their lives, but Jesus was really interested in speaking to hungry hearts. Jesus really wanted to speak to hungry hearts, and that's what that's what this parable gets at. And it's it's at the seashore where Jesus starts speaking in parables, which is interesting. He starts speaking in parables at the seashore. He, changes, he doesn't do that in the synagogue. He does that on the beach. He teaches in story. There's something about story that we internalize. We internalize story. We feel story on a totally different level than if, if this book, the Bible, was just like an instruction manual. Like, do, you know, do A and then B and then C and you'll be good. But Jesus teaches in story. What do we feel in story? We feel the heart of what's going on. Like when you watch a movie, you can kind of put yourself in someone else's shoes, you know, and that's why, that's why you cry, right, in some movies. I never cry in movies, but some people do. <laughs> but but you, you cry, right, because you can say, oh, look at the pain, what they're going through. I can, I can put myself in their shoes. I can see, 
you know, what they've been through. So there's, there's a lot of power in stories, and Jesus is tapping into that. Even so, he has this really interesting phrase where he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So even the crowds that gather, even though they want to be there, there's still this other check. It's like, for those who want to hear, they'll hear. For those who want to hear, they'll hear. So Jesus isn't counting on everybody in the crowd to receive what he's saying. Not everybody in the crowd will respond to what he's saying. So that's, that's the power of parable. That's the power of story. But let's get into what this parable is actually teaching. It's, it's the sower and the seed, right? It's a farmer. You don't have tractors back in that day, so you have a man with a bag full of grain going out to the fields and just throwing it out everywhere. And, and the wind picks it up, and so it, it lands on all kinds of different terrain. It lands on all sorts of different terrain. And, of course, the seed that is being referred to is, is the seed of the gospel. None of us can, can what is this saying is that the gospel has a, a, has a potent impact on all of our lives. When we hear the truth about Jesus, it can have an explosive, uh, potent impact on our lives. And when Jesus came, his ministry was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And he didn't just do it with words. He did it with healing. Uh, he did it with compassion. Um, he did it by feeding the 5,000. He, he did it in power, too. Power and words. Um, but he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. Basically, that God is reestablishing his rule on the earth. And that rule is going to spread from heart to heart as people choose to follow Jesus. That, that, that all of a sudden we have a Lord who rules over our heart. And that will change our life. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So the, the gospel is the power of God to save us. The power of God uh, to change us. For everyone who believes, everybody who puts their faith in it, everybody who leans on it, it saves. It saves us from Satan's grip on us. It saves us from death. It saves us from hell. And it shows us a new way to live as we follow Jesus. And of course, if you read the whole Bible and if you just live life, you know that being a Christian is not just a, a nonstop thrill ride, uh, that it's tough, that the journey, the road is difficult. And that's why the New Testament talks so much about endurance and perseverance, because we're going to hit obstacles in our faith. And, and this parable really gets at that, too. And so let's get to this story. This story talks about four soils. And the great thing about this specific parable is that Jesus actually explains it. So there's no guesswork in, in what it means. Jesus explains the meaning very clearly. He doesn't do that for every parable. He does that for this parable. And so what we have to talk about are three things that get in the way of the gospel making an impact on our lives. Three things that get in the way. And, and as we read this, it's important for us to identify with the soil. Like, oh man, I feel that. Uh, or, or uh, oh, that's me. And if, if that's you, man, just pray that God would till up your heart. That's, that's the prayer today. 
because there's been times in my lives where I've identified with one soil and another soil, and so this is not a big guilt trip, but it's just a recognition of I'm here right now, and God, I actually need you to till up the soil of my heart so that I can receive what you have for me. So here's the first soil. Jesus says, And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Jesus later explains this to his disciples, and he says, And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So the key, the key word to this one is immediately. Like, it, it, it's like they have a deflector shield. Like, this, it does, it never really gets in their heart. It never really gets there. And um, he talks about the path. You know, the path is, is hard ground between rows of, of, of crop. Um, Bonnie and I have raised garden beds. Who here likes to garden? Anybody here like to garden? A few? Okay. Cool. Right on. Let's start a big community garden, guys. Let's, let's do it. Um, but we have a few raised beds in our house, and, you know, we're constantly telling our kids, do not walk on the garden beds, right? Don't walk. Or our dog. I'm always yelling at our dog, you know. Get off the garden bed. I, I like to yell at my dog, though. So, um, it, I need God to work on my heart, man. I just, um, but no, if, if you walk on soil, it gets compacted and hard, and nothing is going to grow out of that soil. And that's what, that's what Jesus is saying, is that some people, like, it's just too hard. Like, their, hearts are, their ways are too set. Like, the gospel is just going to bounce off them. And so here's the first reason that we don't receive what Jesus has for us, a lack of concern. I'm just not, that doesn't concern me. Someone hears the gospel and it just doesn't, just doesn't concern them. You're like, I've already got life figured out. There's really no reason to pursue Jesus. I think the message here is it takes some kind of desperation to actually pursue Jesus. Some kind of knowledge that I actually don't have life figured out. And I actually need Jesus to help me and show me the way. Um, it's interesting that he says Satan snatched the seed away. Satan snatched the seed away. How does Satan do that? Lies, right? Satan lies. And if you go back to the original lie of Satan, what was it? It was, you can be like God. You don't need God. You can be like God. You can be independent of God. So the real lie of Satan is self-reliance, I think. Self-reliance. I don't need God. I'm independent. I'm my own person. I've got a good job, plenty of money. Like, why do I need to bring Jesus into my life and what I've got going on? And so there's this idea of irrelevance. I was watching this talk uh, that, that happened five years ago. Tim Keller gave a talk at Google. There's talks at Google where they have really intellectual people come and, and share to the Google crowd. Um, and, you know, what, when you think of, uh, like, when you imagine who would work at Google, and, and please, you know, don't yell out adjectives or anything like that, please. Uh, but when you think of who would work at, work at Google, who would you think of? Like, you know, someone who's really highly educated and brilliant and, and affluent and, and has life, like, is doing pretty well for themselves. And so Tim Keller comes into this crowd. I think it's really interesting and telling what he titled his talk. His, his talk was Making Sense of God, an Invitation to the Skeptical. You know, he goes into this environment, and he knows the ground is pretty hard. And so he's like, man, my job here is not to say Jesus loves you and revival will break out. Like, I just got to, like, 
till the soil a little bit. I got to take, I got to take a hoe and just kind of hit the ground a little bit, you know, and, and break up some of that soil. And uh, in, in fact, this is what he said at the beginning of his, his message. This was like the premise of, of his, his talk. He said, no matter who you are, you should at least care about how some people come to their faith positions. <laughs> so his, his whole goal in that was not like, this is Jesus, believe and be saved. It was, you should at least care about this, guys. Like, this is a pretty soft talk, right? <laughs> but that's kind of that hard soil, and it's good that we have really smart people like Tim Keller going into environments like that and trying to break up some of that ground. And it was incredible, guys. Just revival broke out at Google. Um, no, I'm kidding. It, it didn't. They had a really nice, polite Q&A at the end of his talk. You know, and that was it. But it's just sort of like tilling that ground. Like, you should at least care. You should at least be concerned uh, about Jesus. And if you or someone in your life is overly self-reliant, tilling that ground is going to take a lot of work and a lot of time, a lot of patience and a lot of conversations. And I, my observation is that there's a lot of people who are um, self-reliant. They don't move towards God until something, a loss happens in their life or some kind of tragedy, and they realize, oh, man, I'm not in control. Actually, I, I, I need God. Like, that's, that's what I've seen. It's hard to break up the ground there. So that's soil one. Let's go to soil two. Jesus says, Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. That's the key word there is wither. Wither. The gospel takes root. The roots aren't deep. When the sun comes up, the plant withers. So the plant shows some promise, but it withers. And then Jesus explains it, and he says, And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And so the second reason we're going to talk, or second reason why people don't receive what God has for them is lack of commitment. And what I mean by that is, the commitment to get through the difficulty of life. The, the difficulty that will come your way inevitably when you choose to follow Jesus. And that's what Jesus is saying. That some will abandon their faith when the cost gets too high. When it's just like, I can't, I can't, I can't go there. And, and obviously, there have been many people, and, and you've seen them in your life, and, and me too, and, and again, I, I've identified with this at a season. You know, you can have a really strong season of faith, but eventually it withers, right? Just difficulty comes into your life, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm, oh my gosh, I'm questioning life, and, and, and I'm questioning God, and, and, and what's true and what's not. And we can go through a season where God is very active, and then that enthusiasm wanes. And I'm here to say, like, that's, that could be any of us or all of us. We go through strong seasons and weak seasons. And, and, and the, the purpose of the church is to water the crops so that we don't wither, right? We've got to water each other so we don't wither. That's, that's our job. And man, we've, we've been through a season of isolation 
Like there's been a lot of a lot of people not being watered. And what happens when you're not watered? You wither. And so we've got to get back to a point where we are watering each other. We are encouraging each other. We are lifting each other up. We are in each other's lives. If, if we really want to, to sustain our faith. See, the church is supposed to be like a watering, uh, whatever, the, the thing. I don't <laughs> Can't, thank you. I, I don't know why I couldn't think of that. The thing. Um, but we're also supposed to be like a furnace, right? Like if the presence of God is here, we're supposed to be like a furnace and you stay hot by being in the furnace, yeah. right? By being close to the furnace. When you get outside of that, you, you eventually cool. And I'm not just trying to equate like our relationship with God with the church, but, but, but the, the, the New Testament assumes, the New Testament assumes that um, if you're following Jesus, then you will be connected to his church. Like it doesn't really have a whole lot of, a whole lot of, of uh, difference there. So all that to say, like, we, we got to be a church that's about relationships. That's about, like, equipping relationships and encouraging relationships. And that's why we're doing stuff like camping together. That's why we're having a Christian Woodstock, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's why we're, we're dedicated to, like, relaunching home groups this fall. Like, we, we need to get this down because we want everyone to have deep roots. We, we don't want church to be something that you just attend. We want that, that, that gospel seed to grow in you and for you to be fruitful. We want everybody in the room, online, that attends this church to be fruitful. We don't want to make a lot of room uh, or, or just leave unchallenged people being not fruitful because we care about each other. I want to see everyone live a fruitful life. And, and this word wither shows a, up a lot in Jesus' teaching um, in John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away. Oh, sorry. If you do not remain in me, that's a good word to add. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. It's like we got to water because we can't afford to wither, okay? We have to be watered because we cannot afford to wither. Jesus is that source of life. And so staying connected to him has to be our number one priority. And in John 15, it talks about remaining in Christ, remaining, remaining. Like that's the, that is the work of faith is remaining in Christ, you know, remaining connected to the church, but remaining connected in Christ every day, reading his word being devoted. And uh, one, one last word on the church. Like, I get, like, not liking the style of the church, but unfortunately, like, we are who we are, you know? <laughs> like, we need each other. And, if, and I would say this. If it's, if it's something stylistic that is keeping you away from church, like, talk to me, right? If we need to, you know, put some metal up here or whatever, I'm, I'm open. <laughs> Just need your input. Yeah, uh, if you, all right, sorry. Um, um, let's, look at, let's look at soil three. Jesus says this, Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. 
He later explains it this way. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So this is one that, that, that hits home for me as it, as it might for you. But the third reason that we don't receive and that, that we're not fruitful is an abundance of complications. Like life is just complicated, right? And it's very easy to complicate your life and allow Jesus to be drowned out, is what this passage is saying. And, and it doesn't matter, you know, how much money you have or if you're married, not married, kids, no kids. We are all capable of drowning Jesus out of our lives. We're all capable of it. We can all fill up our schedules. We can all get distracted with other things. And this is what Jesus says chokes out the gospel. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Those are really broad, but they're broad for a reason. They're broad for a reason. There's so much of our lives that could fit into that. I'm not following Jesus because I'm more interested in sports, or I'm not following Jesus because I'm more interested in X, Y, and Z, or, uh, you know, the, the deceitfulness of riches. What is the deceitfulness of riches? It's when you put your security in what you have. Like, okay, I'm comfortable, I'm good, I got retirement, you know, um, like if that's really where your security is, apart from your relationship with Jesus, what, what Jesus is saying is that's a false security. That is a false security. The cares of life. We all got cares, right? We all got things. We all got work and, and uh, you know, it could be spouse, relationship, kids, extended family, house projects, gutter cleaning. Just stop cleaning your gutters. No. But we all have these things. We all have these things. And sometimes this cares of life, we can get so distracted on like, I'm just trying to do what normal people do, right? I'm just trying to live a life that normal people live. Well, guess what? Jesus doesn't want us to live a normal life, yeah. all right? We're not entitled to things that every normal person is entitled to because we're following Christ. We're not following America or, or whatever else you want to put in that thing. We're followers of Christ, yeah. you know? Christ didn't have a house to, you know, a place to lay his head. Um, you know, Christ was just about God and the mission and, and, and all of that. And so what we can do is we can try to live that good life and fight for that good life and, and put all our investment in that good life and we can miss out on the God life. It's a big difference. It's a big difference because you always need to have in, in, in your mind, what am I going to lift up to God at the end of my life? Right? What did I do with this life that God gave me? How was I faithful and we can so easily get wrapped up in, in just the cares of the life. And, and, and hey, we got to take care of our families. We've got to take care of our kids. We've got to take care of our marriages. You, you should work. I'm not saying any of that, but, you know, what are you chasing? Where are your priorities? Because what Jesus wants, what we see here, God wants fruit. God wants fruit out of your life. That's something that he does in you. God wants you to live a fruitful life. And, and thankfully, uh, Galatians 5 gives us the fruit of the Spirit. What are the fruits? What's, what's the kind of fruit that God is after? It's his love. It's his joy. It's his peace. It's his patience. 
acts, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, and his self-control coming out of your life because you are experiencing him. Right? And so I think the message here is that if you are living in an abundance of complications, the first thing you might need to do is simplify your life. Simplify. I think the Quakers said it's a gift to be simple. It is. It is a gift to live simply so that we can live fully for Christ. We need to slow down. We need to rest. We need to let him call the shots. Let him breathe new life into us. Pursue the God life. Like, that's a, that's a freeing call, I hope. I hope that's not a burdensome call to you. The call to slow down should be a freeing one. All right, and then there's this last soil. The last soil, of course, is the good soil. And that my prayer for all of us is that we would experience the richness of the good soil, the fruitful life of, of the good soil, that our hearts would be tilled and soft and ready to receive God's word every day so that, that out of that might grow the abundance of what God wants to do in each of us. Here's the good soil that Jesus described. He said, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So let's just talk about what does this good soil do? It hears God's word and accepts it. It receives it. And then that word bears fruit in your life. It's something God does, right? The farmer doesn't control how the crops grow. He just, know, he just gets the conditions right, and they grow. It's the same thing in our relationship with God. And it says up to a hundredfold. That's like total, complete transformation. And I just wonder, what would it look like to live a hundredfold life? Right? To, to bear fruit of a hundredfold. If you had the fruit of the Spirit, I, I, I would think of it this way. What if your one life could change 100 others? Wow. Wow. Maybe, it's, maybe it's not, you know, you're not praying the prayer with 100 people, but maybe you push 100 people closer to Jesus in your life. Maybe God has you responsible for 100 people that he wants to impact through your life. And, and one, none of it has to be preaching. You just be living life in a community with neighbors and family members and people, the people that God has in your circle. What if all of those relationships could bear fruit? What if people could be changed by you? I always get that image. I love the movie It's a Wonderful Life, right? That's a great Christmas movie. Um, I always love that image of like, what if George Bailey never existed, right? And like the whole town is different, right? It's all corrupt and nasty. But it's that idea of like, no, no, you've, you've, you know, changed, you know, 100 lives or whatever, however many lives he changed. It's kind of like that idea. Like, what if your life made such an impact that, that you had a positive, godly effect on 100 people? That would be powerful. And that's my prayer, too. Like, I want us to be a 100-fold 100, 100 church. Like, we could bear a 100-fold church. I'm not saying we need to blow out the doors of this place. But what if everybody in here was fully committed to live that hundredfold life? We wouldn't need to blow out the, the doors of this place to make a difference in this community. We, we wouldn't, because we would be. Wherever we go, uh, we'd be impacting people. So if, if, if you're here today and you're battling some resistance, or if you're online, you're, you're battling some resistance, 
I'm just going to pray. And I'm just going to pray that God would start breaking up that soil in your heart. Maybe we all need that this morning. God, break up that soil. Where is that? Or, or take the rocks out or whatever it is, whatever soil that you resonate with. Uh, let's pray right now. Jesus, we confess today that we want to be the good soil. Lord, we want to be the good soil. We want to be the soft soil that's broken up, that's ready to receive what you have to give us. Lord, the, the, the truth of, of Jesus and the words of God, Lord, and the, the spirit of God which transforms our lives, Lord. I pray that you would help us to move from uh, resistance to receiving wherever we're at. Could you help us to go from closed fists to open hands in our relationship with you? Could you help us go from a closed posture to an open posture? Could you help us go from, from shutting our ears to opening our ears and hearing and receiving? Lord, this is a, the gospel is described as a mystery. We don't know how it works. We just know that it does work. God, we can't explain everything, but we know that you're at work. So God, I pray that you'd be at work in everyone's heart that's, that's here in this building, that's listening online. God, that you would just be at work. Holy Spirit, stir. Break up the soil of our hearts. Break up the soil of our community. God, may Blaine not be a, a hard, hard ground, but would you just break up the soil of Blaine and Birch Bay and Whatcom County? so that listening ears might hear, so that lives might be changed, especially as we look towards Easter. Lord, we pray, God, that, that there would be a harvest. God, that, that you would do that just in Easter, beyond. Lord, that you would just continue to do that work in all of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.